So we are finishing out our lessons on Elijah. This is actually the 13th out of 13th, so it sort of worked out perfectly, uh, as this will be my last class as well. And uh, so we're going to finish out our thoughts on Elijah. And so hopefully uh, you have uh, learned some things about this great prophet. Uh, Hopefully there are some lessons that we've noticed that maybe have helped you in your Christian walk as well. And I think really that's the point of today's lesson is we're going to notice at least four individuals, well, I guess five technically, who looked back at the life of Elijah and said, you know, here's a good point. We're going to notice Jesus is going to use Elijah in an illustration. Uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, two of, you know, Jesus's right hand man, they're going to use Elijah. Paul's going to write about Elijah and James as well. And so we're going to look at all of those scriptures here, hopefully, as we try to, uh, again, look at what the New Testament has to say about this great prophet. Uh, But if you recall, last week we talked about really the the relationship of Elijah and Jesus, right? Uh, The Mount of Transfiguration. That's really what we studied uh, mostly about last uh, week was that that meeting that Jesus had up there on that high mountain, you know, maybe it was Mount Hermon that uh, we believe, but we just don't know. And up there on that mount, uh, what, uh, Elijah and Moses uh, appeared. And of course, Peter, James and John, they're seeing this. You know, it's Peter who's the one who just constantly speaks up and, and blabbers and says, you know, it's good for us to be here. Let us make these three tabernacles to honor you, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And that's when the voice of God comes out of heaven, right? This thundering voice and says, you know, this is my well son or this is my son. You know, hear him. Right. And the message to Peter and James and John was, you know, as great as Moses was, as great as Elijah was, it's Jesus who you need to listen to. Right. And so listen to him. And so. Remember, they come down from that mountain and Jesus tells, uh, what does he tell his, those three disciples not to do? Say anything. Yeah, they, so Jesus said, don't say anything about this. And, you know, we kind of speculated a little bit why uh, Jesus would have said that. And, you know, really the emphasis was last week was, remember, we talked about, you know, people are looking for the coming of Elijah, right? Even today, people are looking for the coming of Elijah. Although Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that he's already came uh, in the spirit of John the Baptist. But even then, the Jews were looking for the coming of Elijah. And so if they would have came down that temple or if they would have came down that mountain and started spreading word that, hey, we just saw Elijah, you know, that probably would have stirred up a lot of excitement, right? Uh, But that wasn't the reason why Elijah appeared. Uh, Elijah appeared uh, because, you know, he represented the prophets. Moses represented the law. And again, God's saying, listen, there's going to be coming a time very soon that these are not the ones you listen to anymore, but it's going to be Jesus and what he has to say. And so, again, uh, don't tell anybody that you just saw what you just saw up on that mountain. Wait till later. And of course, Peter writes about it, didn't he, uh, in his letter, First uh, Peter. And so uh, we also looked at uh, Jesus was on the cross. Right. And Jesus, uh, you know, he said he said something in Arabic, Aramaic and people thought what was going on. Yeah, they, they thought he was calling Elijah, wasn't he? And so, again, people were looking for Elijah and they're saying, oh, OK, so he's calling for Elijah to come and save him off the cross. But again, that's not at all what he was doing. Jesus willingly died on the cross. And so, um, again, that, that was sort of, again, the, the first century idea is that. You know, Elijah was still to come. But again, Jesus said, 
that took place uh, through John the Baptist. So, uh, we are going to look again at uh, some more examples here of Elijah in the New, New Testament. Romans 15.4, one of my favorite verses. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Right? Things that were written before time. Those things in the Old Testament, Paul says, were written for our instruction, so that we would have perseverance and encouragement. And again, um, you know, Elijah is the perfect example. Right? Time and time again, these Bible writers, uh, these individuals in the first century are bringing up Elijah for us to learn from. And uh, we, we're, we learn so much about Elijah and his trust in God. Right? The prayers that he prayed, uh, the discouragement and loneliness that he had. You know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. We talked about how he confronted idolatry, how he confronted you know, false teaching. And, you know, obviously the Bible encourages us to do the same today, right? And, and again, so we're going to look at some more of these here. And so um, let's jump in. Uh, I think I had you turn to Luke chapter 4. And so here's, here's Jesus, right? Here's Jesus' example of he's going to use Elijah as an example in his ministry. So let's, let's start in verse uh, 14. So uh, this is very early on in Jesus' ministry, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee, and of course Galilee is, you know, the area where he's from, uh, Nazareth. So he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And, and they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Right, so we get, we get the context here, right? Jesus is back in his hometown. He goes into the synagogue. Um, he, he's going to do the public reading, I guess, of Scripture, and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. I guess he gets to choose where he wants to begin. Remember, this is a time where they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have you know, chapters and verses. You know, so, um, so he goes to where he wants. You know, obviously, he knows what Isaiah says uh, because he's, of course, the Son of God. Uh, but obviously, he also grew up learning the Scriptures as well. But he goes to exactly where he wants to read from. Uh, you and I would know this as Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Uh, but he goes specifically to that portion of Scripture, reads it, and tells the people that today uh, that has been fulfilled uh, in their viewing. right? And so um, what's the people's reaction to this? I mean, how do they react to such a bold statement? He's taking the words of Isaiah and he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He's saying that has been fulfilled today. That's me. Right. And so what are the people thinking? What were what would you be thinking if somebody came in and started reading scripture and says, you know, that that's me. You're reading about me. Hard to accept, sir. Uh, they're, they're confused, aren't they? Uh, verse 22, uh, they were speaking well of him, and they were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Um, my Bible says, or the words of grace, uh, is another way to translate that. But then it says, but is this not Joseph's son? Right? Don't we know who this guy is? Right? Isn't he the kid that grew up down the street? This can't be the Messiah. Right? This can't be the Christ. This can't be him. These words that he's preaching to us from the book of Isaiah, they can't be fulfilled through him. We know this guy. Right? And so let's notice Jesus' response to that because this is where he brings up Elijah. So verse 23, And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we, hear was, whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman, the Syrian. And so Jesus knows what's about to happen. Right? He, knows as, he knows that he quotes this old proverb, right? that physician, heal yourself. Basically, you know, if you claim it, then show us. Right? If you, you claim to be the Messiah, show us. Give us a sign. Give us something to go by. And Jesus, does he do that? Does he give them a miracle? Does he give them a sign? He doesn't, does he? But what does he do? He goes straight to the scriptures, right? He goes to the scriptures. He says, listen, in the days of Elijah, right? In the, in the days when, when Elijah came, he, he prayed, right? For those three years and six months and shut up the, the waters to come from the sky. And there was a great famine over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of the widows of Israel, right? He didn't go and help any of the widows that were in need in Israel, yet he only went to one widow, and she wasn't even of Israel. Right? She was the widow from Zarephath that we studied, I think, in the second lesson. Right? She was a, a Gentile. She wasn't uh, an Israelite. She wasn't a Jew. And that was the widow that Elijah was sent to. And so what Jesus is saying here is, you know, you're asking me for a sign, but I'm not going to give you a sign. Just like when Elijah... Right? Just like Elijah didn't give a sign, he didn't go and do miraculous things, he didn't go and help um, the, the widows of Israel, it, it was that widow of Zarephath that he helped. Right? And so that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. Right? Um, he's citing the examples of Elijah and Elisha as, uh, as his demonstration of justification. And... Um, you know, I've always pondered that, that verse. I know uh, Luke's not the only one that records that, 
where uh, Jesus says, you know, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Have you ever thought about that verse? I mean, what's Jesus trying to say here? Yeah, he grew up there, didn't he? They knew him. He couldn't be the Christ. He couldn't be the Messiah. We watched him grow up. It's hard for a prophet to go back to his hometown, I guess, is the emphasis here, and to say, hey, listen to me. I'm a prophet of God because they knew, again, who he was. And so, again, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And so, again, Jesus... You know, he, he's got these people saying, show me a sign, show us something, do a miracle. And what does he do? He goes to the life of Elijah and he pulls out an example of the Old Testament and says, I'm not going to give you a sign just like Elijah didn't give the people a sign for those three and a half years. And, and so, uh, there, so there's Jesus's uh, reaction. Um, turn a couple of chapters to Luke chapter 9. Make sure that we have a chance to read all of these. Uh, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51. Now, Elijah is not specifically going to be mentioned in this text, but I think when we read it, you might say, hey, this sounds a little familiar. This kind of sounds like this guy who we've you know, been studying uh, for these past 13 weeks. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51. Uh, They're on their way to Jerusalem. So uh, when the days are approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. Uh, But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. So here's James and John, uh, the rest of the disciples, Jesus, traveling. Of course, you know, if I had the map up there, I'd show you, you know, up there in Galilee, Nazareth, you know. And then, of course, uh, Jerusalem's down here in the southern part of Israel. But, again, what's smack dab in the middle between Galilee and Jerusalem is Samaria. And did the Jews like going through Samaria? They didn't. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along at all, did they? And, uh, you know, we could go through the history of, you know, the Samaritans and and where that all came from. But uh, the Jews did not like to go through Samaria. A lot of times they went around Samaria, make their travel time larger, longer uh, but they would do that. You know, the, one of my old bosses in Michigan used to joke that, you know, if he had to get somewhere between Michigan and Ohio, he would go around Ohio because he didn't want to drive through Ohio, right? Because he was a Michigan Wolverine fan. Uh, I don't know if anyone would say the same thing about, you know, going through, around Tennessee or not in Kentucky, but uh, maybe, I guess. But uh, that's the idea, right? You don't want to go through Samaria because those are your enemies, right? They don't like each other. And so James and John's reaction is what? What do they say Jesus to, to Jesus? Shall we bring fire down from heaven and consume them? Well, where did they get that idea from? Jesus. 
If we back up to, uh, so we're in Luke chapter 9. If we back up to Luke 9 verse 30, that's the transfiguration. Right? So they, the transfiguration just happened. They've got Elijah on their mind. And so they're, they're traveling to Jerusalem. And, you know, these people in Samaria aren't going to accept Jesus. They aren't going to allow them to, you know, make these arrangements. And so James and John asked Jesus, do you want us to send fire down from heaven and consume them? Well, wasn't it four or five weeks ago we, we read the story in Second Kings about how uh, Elijah was sitting there on that mountain and um, Ahab's son, who was the new king, sent those 50 soldiers to him. And what did Elijah do? Sent fire down from heaven and consumed them. Right? And then a second group of 50 and their commander came to Elijah. And Elijah again sent fire down from heaven and consumed them. And then there was that third group of 50 with the commander. And that commander, you know, he, he came to Elijah humbly, said, please, pleading for their lives, you know, please come with us. Right? So they're thinking, right? Elijah's on their mind. They just saw him at the transfiguration. And they're thinking back to that passage in 2 Kings. And they're saying, Lord, shall we send fire down from heaven and consume these people? Right? They're thinking of Elijah. Again, Elijah's being, uh, again, he's not mentioned here specifically, but that makes sense. That, that, that's who they've got on their mind. And so they say, let us bring fire. But of course, Jesus rebukes them for that thought. I did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Right? And so there was a teaching moment there for the, for the apostles. Uh, but again, the idea of Elijah, this great prophet, right? He's all throughout uh, the New Testament. Uh, he's on the minds of uh, even a couple of these uh, disciples, J uh, James and John, right? The sons of thunder, right? And so uh, there's another example. Uh, let's look at uh, two more. Um, let's look at what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 11. So Paul, of course, uh, writes many of the, the letters, the epistles in the New Testament. And, of course, he's going to also bring up Elijah in his, his own letters. Um, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. You know, Paul is specifically writing to his Jewish brethren. You know, he's saying, listen, I know you guys got a zeal, but you lack knowledge, right? Jesus is the Christ. You need to come to him. You know, I'm begging you. Uh, you know, he even says... Uh, if it's chapter 9 or 10, where he says, you know, I would be accursed. Um, I would, you know, curse my own life if only you would repent and come to him. You know, he is pleading for the Jews to come to uh, Jesus. And so you get to chapter 11, uh, verse 1, and Paul's writing and he says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scriptures say in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars and I alone am left and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. So obviously there are some Jews here that, you know, they're, they're upset, right? Because, you know, they're, they're getting this message that the Gentiles, you know, are now part of God's chosen people. 
right? And so they're, they're starting to feel a little ostracized, maybe even cast away, right? That, that, uh, that you know, God's now accepting everybody into his kingdom. And, the, and Paul's trying to explain to them, listen, uh, God hasn't rejected his people um, individually. You know, I too am an Israelite. I too am a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew, right? Uh, he's talking about Christians. Uh, and then he brings up Elijah, right? He says, don't you remember when Elijah was um, you know, thinking that he was all alone? Right? Verse 3, they have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left. Remember, that's what Elijah was crying out to God, saying, it's just me, God. You know, end my life is basically what he says there. And then Paul says, but what was the divine response? What did God say to Elijah? And God said, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Right? You're not alone, Elijah. There's still these 7,000 out there. And what's that specific word that we just read in verse 5? But it's, it's elsewhere throughout Scripture. But what's that word that, he, that Paul uses to describe those people, uh, the, 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 that, that group of people that are still faithful to God? Yeah, the, the remnant. Uh, I love that idea. I, I love that word. Uh, again, you, you find it through uh, elsewhere of you know, the remnant. Right? There, 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 there's always going to be a remnant uh, of people who are going to stay faithful uh, to God. You know, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, I've read a lot of you know, missionaries, especially talking about the great works that are going on in you know, countries like Africa and India that were converting uh, many to Christianity. And we here in America, we kind of see the opposite, don't we? We see less people of becoming Christians. We see, you know, more persecution towards Christians. And people have made the claim that, you know, 50, 100 years from now, you know, we may be the mission field, right? And it may be those who are in India or those who are in Africa who are going to have to come here to spread the gospel. Well, <laughs> hard, to, yeah, but... Yeah, but the idea, right, is that there's still a remnant out there, right? As uh, maybe, you know, our country, times are getting tougher and tougher and darker and darker. There's still going to be a remnant, right? Maybe, maybe that's uh, in another country. Maybe it's halfway around the world. But that's the idea here, right? That, that, that Paul is saying, listen, to, to these Jews, you may be feeling alone. You may be feeling ostracized. You may be feeling like God's given up on you. But he hasn't, right? You can still be a child of God. It's not going to be through Judaism anymore. It's going to be through Christianity. It's going to be through Christ and his atoning sacrifice. But the remnant is still going to exist, right? Verse 5, in the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. And so, you know, again, we might feel like at times that uh, you know, we're the only ones left, right? We're the only ones faithful. You know, I often use that verse, or I often think of the remnant sort of uh, not necessarily in, uh, you know, the terms of Scripture, but, you know, in the denominational world, right? Uh, one thing I can say about, you know, Adair County of Columbia is that there are a lot of religious people here, right? There are a lot of 
religious churches. There are a lot of denominations, right? And you and I would say that um, a lot of what's going on in those denominations probably are not pleasing to God, right? People uh, falsely worshiping, uh, vainly worshiping, worshiping uh, the, the, after man, man's traditions, right? Uh, not worshiping in spirit and truth. And so, you know, the church here obviously is playing the role of a remnant, right? And so uh, that there are still those who are faithfully practicing New Testament Christianity. And that's the message that we have, that we want to spread. We don't want to blend in with those around us. We want to be that remnant. We want to be known as uh, the remnant. And so, uh, again, so, so there's the third example that we have in Scripture. Again, Paul brings up Elijah uh, in, in his lesson. And we got one more. I think we have a couple minutes left, but let's turn to James chapter 5. And I think this is the passage where we recall uh, this uh, Elijah in the New Testament the most, in James chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 16. So James chapter 5, verse 16, this uh, hopefully is a verse that we're familiar with, uh, where James writes, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So James could have cut it off right there, right? Uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. But in the next few verses, he's going to bring Elijah from the Old Testament to use as an example of why this is the case. Right? So he brings up Elijah, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. Uh, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruits. All right, so the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, but now he gives us an Old Testament example of Elijah, right? A man who was a nature just like ours. What, what does that mean? Is Elijah some special? Uh, I mean, yes, he was a prophet, uh, but what? I mean, did he have some sort of superpower that you know you and I, you know, didn't? He, he was just a man, right? He was just a man. He prayed to God just like you and I pray to God. He had a nature just like ours, and so that's what James is doing, right? He's looking at this example of a man just like us. Who in the New Test or in, or in the Old Testament had a problem, uh, and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed earnestly for you know those those that three and a half years to keep that drought, and when Elijah finally asked for rain, the rains came, and he was an example of a man who fervently prayed, and so again here is Elijah being promoted. Uh, in the New Testament, as a great man of faith, uh, that reminds us of 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests uh, which he has asked from him. Right? So, again, here's the emphasis. Elijah was a man of prayer. He, he prayed fervently. You and I ought to pray fervently as well, uh, because he was... He's just a man like you and I, right? God heard him and he's going to hear us. And so again, J James also uses Elijah 
as an example. So uh, hopefully as we've concluded this study over the past 13 weeks, hopefully um, the life of Elijah has um, helped you. Uh, Allison, uh, she, uh, my oldest daughter, she loves Elijah. And she, like every week when she asks me, you know, what are you going to preach on this week? And I said, well, you'll just have to wait on Sunday. And she'll say, well, I hope it's Elijah. Right? Because she, <laughs> that's her favorite uh, character in scripture to read about, to study about. And so hopefully, you know, there, there's just so much content there that uh, hopefully that we've learned something and um, can apply that into our lives. And obviously the New Testament filled with Elijah. Uh, and so obviously it was important that God wanted us to remember him. Uh, in the New Covenant as well. So I appreciate the study with you. And uh, Ricky's got our closing prayer. Okay, thank you.